Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must eat America back Main Street to Wall Street Cities and states Washington, D.C. Before it's too late, there's not long Ah, uh, yes, folks, we got to take America back. But has there ever been a better statement than the American dream has become a nightmare? I know it sure looks like it to me, but... Uh, uh, Blackbird, would you uh, like for me to read that uh, paragraph again before you comment, or was yeah, are you ready to comment? Yeah, let's go through it again for everybody. All right, here we go. And he's talking about in the transaction of your foreign affairs, we have endeavored to cultivate the friendship of all nations, and especially of those with which we have the most important relations. We have done them justice on all occasions, favored them where favor was lawful, and cherished mutual interest and intercourse on fair and equal terms. We are firmly convinced, and we act on that conviction, that with nations, as with individuals, our interest, soundly calculated, will ever be found inseparable from our moral duties. And history bears witness to the fact that a just nation is taken on its word when recourse is had to armaments and wars to bridle others, unquote. Your thoughts, my friend? All right, so I'm trying to uh, go back to what you were saying about his first term and then his second term. And, you know, so that was his first inauguration, right? No, that was his second, uh, second. inauguration address, but it was about his first term. Okay, so, you know, I'm putting it in the context of, you know, He's you know just got in office first term and he's having to deal with the Barbary Coast pirates situation right, right? Mm-hmm. so you know he, he is a you know, young republic getting ready to go into an international war that could set off who knows what and he's you know very controversial signing the treaty with France to go after the you know, the bar the first Barbary Coast war you know so you know it's what is the thing is it's uh, easy to be a leader in wartime as long as you're winning, right? 
and then when it's peace, <laughs> then your people start complaining and everybody starts fragmenting. And so I'm just wondering if, you know, that first term, you know, everything was the focus on this international war situation. And now that's over. Come home. And, oh, my God, my vice president is doing stuff that I don't like and I'm going to have to replace him for my second term. And so I thought it was interesting that, you know, Aaron Burr wasn't his vice president the second time. George Clinton was his you know, vice president the second time, right. right? So it's like, okay, what was the falling out? And did it have something to do with the war? Was it domestic policy, you know, that he and Burr uh, came out about? So, but, yeah, that's a, a very interesting uh, section of that. So thanks well, for sharing that. Oh, certainly, buddy. Now the second paragraph, or the third paragraph, I forget which one. But this one, I think, is the most revealing about his first term, Frederick. And so I will read that, and then I will really look forward to your comments. Okay, quote, At home, fellow citizens, you best know whether we have done well or ill. The suppression of unnecessary political offices, of useless establishments and useless expenses— enabled us to discontinue internal taxes. These covering our land with officers and opening our doors to their intrusions had already begun that process of domiciliary vexation, which, once entered, is scarcely to be restrained from reaching successively every article of produce and property. If among these taxes some minor ones fell, which had not been inconvenient, it was because their amount collected would not have paid for the officers who collected them, and because if they had had any merit, the state authorities would adopt them instead of others less approved, unquote. Your thoughts, buddy? Hmm, just, you know, that idea of you know, we're going to start a republic, but it's going to be a cool republic, right? And then the realities of, you know, you just went to war. You know, where is your war chest? You know, how are you going to pay for this government that keeps growing? You're going to have to start taxing the people again, just like you told them you aren't going to do. And this is one of those things about... You know, the image of government as the insatiable beast like a dragon or, you know, you just keep feeding it. And, the you know, the more you feed it, the bigger it gets, the more powerful it gets and the hungrier it gets. And so did you see a shift in, you know, him increasing taxes second term or keeping the status quo you know, what happened that second term with his tax situation? Do you know? Well, I do, but uh, I, I want to cover this just a little bit more oh, in depth oh, here. Okay. And then we'll, ju- then we'll jump to that, buddy, because okay. I want your comments on this as well. And he said, the remaining revenue on the consumption of foreign articles is paid cheerfully by those who can afford to add foreign luxuries to domestic comforts being collected on our seaboards and frontiers only and incorporated with the transactions of our mercantile citizens. It may be the pleasure and the pride of any American to ask what farmer, 
what mechanic, what laborer ever saw a tax gatherer of the United States during this term. Your thoughts? Okay, so, you know, is he saying that we did this stuff and we didn't come asking for money? Yes, he's saying that we collected everything we needed with uh, an, an impost on foreign articles. Right. That was the original model of we're going to pay for this off of international trade. That's how the federal system, you know, we don't have the authority to tax the states or the individuals. You know, that was you know, part of that original model, right? That, you know, we're going to finance this off of just the tariffs of our trade because we're going to be so productive. Everybody's going to want what we do. And by taxing that, we'll all get rich. And that was the dream, I think. Right. And I believe, you know, one of the other uh, letters from Jefferson, which I'm remembering, I don't know if I could find it in time or not, but he made the statement about taxes in the fact that if we allow the federal government or the central government to increase taxes, they will always find something to spend it on. So we must find some way to prevent the central government from increasing taxes through excises, direct taxation, and other stuff, because he saw it and he talked about, especially with Hamilton, you know, when he resigned from Washington's cabinet because of Hamilton, and he said that, you know, with Hamilton's proposal, this country will never be out of debt. And he said that in 1794. <laughs> uh, right. Your and, thoughts? Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing of calling Hamilton out as you're pushing a usury system for your owners, your masters, who are the Rothschild and the whole Illuminati, you know, Zabatian, Frankist thing that, have, you know, they've been doing the old, you know, debt trick, you know, their entire history. They figured out the mathematics of this thing called interest. That's that magic 72, you know, and their idea of we can come in with our capital and loan it at interest, and the stupid goyim will take out the loan, not understanding just how much they're going to have to pay back, and that attempt to try to pay back this money uh, is going to make their lives miserable. They're going to end up losing everything, and then we come in and buy it up for pennies on the dollar. You know, that's how that you know, usury system works. It's a mathematical trick because the second – you know, you loan money at interest, there's more debt in the system than capital to repay it. So the system is eventually going to eat itself, and it's been weaponized against us forever. And, you know, one of the things people like, you know, what I like about Jefferson is he fought the international banksters like Jackson did, you know, and uh, that's, you know, what we've got now, the Federal Reserve, and, you know, this is a total sham. You know, how did we get into a multi-trillion dollar debt, unpayable debt, through this magic of mathematics that our you know, people like Jefferson were trying to warn us about back then, 
right? And again, yeah. this is, you know, the people weren't warned about, you know, their money supply, just like, uh, what was it, Henry Ford said, it's a good thing people don't understand banking because there would be a revolution by morning if they did or some such. I'm oh, yes. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, right. that's, yeah, you're spot on with that one. Yeah. And, you know, and, uh, you know, to stop and think about what Jefferson said, the more money and I'm paraphrasing, the more money that the government is able to collect from the people, the more money they will have to oppress the people. Exactly. And yeah, that goes to the old adage of if you pay somebody to hunt witches, they're going to find witches because that's what they get paid for. And so, you know, what we're seeing now with the Cloward Piven plan is that idea of spin, 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 just like Trotsky, you know, said to do. Uh, you know, this is how we destroy the system so it can be replaced with something else. And so this idea of, you know, perpetual debt and your feeding interest and, you know, it's just going to drain all the real assets to the center. And that's what, you know, fractional reserve banking does, you know, and it's been completely weaponized now, especially with derivative markets and that foolishness. And you just think, you know, how did this republic get into debt? And debt to whom? Notice they never say who that note belongs to. Who's holding the note for the house, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, also I remember, uh, and again, I'm probably paraphrasing here, but Jefferson said to Washington in a letter, he said, we could pay off Hamilton's debt in a decade, but we will never get out from under his debt system. Oh, now that, I want that on a coffee cup. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see what we can do for you there, Frederick. (laughs) Yeah, that is great. Because, I mean, that system, it has been there. You know, cave trolls have been running that racket for, you know, since biblical times, right? And, you know, it's... uh, You know, it is an organized crime ring. It's, you know... um, a shakedown, you know, these are loan sharks, you know, and you, the mark doesn't know, you know, the penalty. They just know that they need this much money right now, you know, and, you know, that's, you know, the big thing about the other golden rule. Everybody talks about the golden rule, do unto others. There's always say that other golden rule that says he who has the gold makes the rules. And, right. you know, the, any person who is in debt is a slave to the debtor. That's the way it works. And who are we enslaved to? Well, imagine, if you will, and I've thought about this many times trying to explain this to people. Imagine, if you will, that you go into uh, the grocery store and there is absolutely nothing there, but you have to buy it pretending that there was. You you go through and pretend that you pick up bread, milk, eggs, you pick up all this stuff, you get up to the checkout, and you check out, and you pay uh, at the checkout for stuff that's not in your basket, but it's as if it was in your basket. That is the way, Frederick, at one time I described fractional reserve banking. Can you correct me? Oh, no, that's a great image. Mind if I use that? (laughs) No, not at all. 
<laughs> it's like, let me explain fractional reserve banking to you. They make yeah. money up out of thin air. It's a trick. And then they loan it to you at interest. But that's a contract. Contract. And now if you don't do their thing, they have the authority to come after you. And because you're in debt, you just gave up all your rights. See how that works? And it works so well, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Wouldn't, uh, you know, gosh, Frederick, if you and I could start our own bank and we could loan <laughs> out and we could loan out money we didn't have and people had to pay us back at interest, wouldn't that be wonderful? Oh, I know. It's, you know, and the other aspect of this, you know, of the dirty tricks of the meanie beanie chicken swingers is, you know, yes, you charge maximum interest to the goyim, but it's mitzvah. You don't charge interest to fellow chicken swingers. So they have this, you know, false force multiplier benefit in the zero-sum game of society where their startup capital is just, you know, some guy at the synagogue who's going to get his money back, you know, his interest, but everything, but he's not going to charge interest. Yeah, you know, he's you know, just investing in, you know, a fellow chicken swinger, but, you know, there's not the interest, but, you know, he might have a share of the operation or whatever, but there's not interest. You don't charge a fellow chicken swinger interest. And so you just think, you know, that is such an unfair advantage that this this little demographic has in a so-called free market economy, right? And everybody wonders why all the white people are losing their family businesses to these Jewish-controlled corporations. Gee, it sure is a mystery. Oh, yeah. I can't figure that one out, Frederick, and I've thought and thought on that. I think I spent 15 seconds on it the other day. <laughs> And, uh, hey, buddy, I know that uh, two weeks ago you and I were sitting at the Dixie Republic, had a great time, but uh, we, you and I had a discussion, something that, I, that has been in my head for the past two weeks, and I just want to ask you first if you'd be comfortable talking about it. When you and I talked about Edwin, Edward Snowden. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about how much Skype sucks when it just disappears on your laptop right before you're supposed to go on the air. Uh, yeah, that too. And tip of the hat to the producers at RBN once again for putting up with all the foolishness at that live remote we did. That was insane, but we got through it. But uh, yeah, the you know Edward Snowden thing that is a you know stickler, right? Is you know Edward Snowden, white hat, you know black hat, red hat. Um, because it's interesting that, you know, when he popped up on the scene, you know, I had already been out there blowing the whistle on the same material since 9-11 until my lips were bleeding, but I couldn't get any traction at all. Nobody wanted to hear my story, but suddenly Edward Snowden pops up and he says, oh, by the way, the NSA working with Booz Allen Hamilton and all the telcos are doing and all the ISPs are doing this massive thing. And I'm just like, 
he stole my bit. He stole my bit. <laughs> you know, that's my act, right? And, you know, but, and he was able to prove, which was, on, and when I got blacklisted in February of 2003, I was on my way to give uh, two weeks worth of lectures to Naval Intelligence in San Diego. And they decided that uh, they were going to war with Iraq and they didn't need or want my help, apparently. So next thing I know, I was blacklisted. But, uh, you know, what I was trying to prove was not only did, one, this system get put in place before 9-11, just like uh, uh, the guy from Quest, uh, uh, Mr. Joseph Nacho, and they took him out, right? He wasn't playing ball, so they took him out. But, you know, so that was all in place before, and they were doing it just shredding the First and Fourth Amendment under the direction of good old General Michael uh, Hayden, right? Right. And, you know, so, you know, I was trying to prove that, yeah, that's all going on, but there is a pipeline behind this pipeline going somewhere, and I think it is also going to Israel. And I'm trying to prove that it's going to Israel because my 9-11 hypothesis, working hypothesis, that Israel was trying to launch their Odin Yemen plan. That's what 9-11 was all about. And they were using the telcos to spy on everybody, right? So, you know, that is what Snowden did in 2013. So if nothing else, I thank him for vindicating my hypothesis back in the day. <laughs> all right. We'll be back on the flip side, folks, because I'm going to jump into this even further with Frederick. Since 1985, that's right, 1985, the Freedom Times pulls no punches and observes no sacred cows or taboos. The perilous times we live in are too critical for anything but honest discussion of America's plight. The Freedom Times is the antidote to the lies and distortions of the fake news media. There's no better way to inform and enlighten Americans than by reading the Freedom Times each month. New subscribers may sign up at the special rate of just $29 for one year or $55 for two years. Subscribe online by going to AmericanFreedomNews.us or mail your subscription to The Freedom Times, P.O. Box 218, Wildwood, Pennsylvania, 15091. That's The Freedom Times, P.O. Box 218, Wildwood, Pennsylvania, 15091. Support America's best patriotic newspaper and one of the very few left by becoming a subscriber to The Freedom Times today. I'm so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family, and we look forward to bringing you the pastures meats that you and your family will love. Now, we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high-quality pastures meats, and even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now, I'm not talking about the bottom-of-the-barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free-range or even cage-free, terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low-quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasture-raised meats, the kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. Our beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture-raised, where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free-range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms in the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States 
is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% pasture-raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you have definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. But I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your door. Visit republicbroadcasting.org and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork. Raised the way nature intended. Back to the National Intelligence Report here on the 21st day of July in the year of 2023. And Frederick, uh, you know, you mentioned that you just didn't get the traction that Snowden got. Uh, could that be because you didn't have a uh, light in the loafers journalist to help you out? I know. If I, I didn't go to Glenn Greenwald and his husband, you know, that's where I messed up, I guess. I went to all the other editors and producers and stuff, but didn't go to Greenwald, you know. And he and I just don't move in the same circles. I just don't understand why I never read him. You know, I don't go to those kind of parties. <laughs> well, Frederick, does that taint Snowden in your mind? It didn't mind. Oh, yeah, because I was just like, you know, the overnight sensation because, you know, Glenn, uh, Greenwald dropped the story. And then I'm trying to remember the series of events, you know, which paper had it first. And then the BBC picked it up or the BBC ran it first and everybody else. But it was just this mockingbird, you know, how with dominoes, you know, you hit one and they all start falling. You know, right. that was what it was in Mockingbird Media. This, you know, you know next thing I know. You know, my nephew's wearing an Edward Snowden T-shirt, and I'm just like, seriously? <laughs> How did this happen that suddenly everybody needs to know about this surveillance program? And then the big push to justify it, right? So that's the thing. And then to just, you know, I never thought about, you know, hightailing it to Russia either. You know, that was my other thing, <laughs> my way of Brazil, but, you know, the, the whole thing, though, with, okay, Snowden goes to, you know, Russia and gets, you know, ag uh, uh, exile status, right? Sanctuary. And then you have that bizarre thing with Putin giving Trump and, Milan and you know, uh, Baron the soccer ball. And the question is... You know, in you know, some circles, that was the handoff of what Snowden had giving to Trump. Yeah, you know, I've heard that story of, you know, the Edward Snowden information. And, you know, the other thing that gets me is that you're giving Green, uh, uh, Glenn Greenwald the authority, all this information, and he decides not to publish it. Right, because it's all classified, and it's like, you know, that whole dynamic of, you know, okay, you know, what's going on with that? Why weren't 
you know, these things declassified for the American people to see. And again, you know, I always go back to Obama had first thing he did when he got into office was pardon the entire telecommunication industries for their wrongdoings, right? So now mm-hmm. it's safe for somebody like Stone to come out and say, oh, yeah, by the way, they have been sweeping up everything and sending a raw copy of everything to Israel. You know, and meanwhile, you're all being judged on your social credit scores and this, that, and the other of this thing we have going on. Also, you know, <laughs> we are mapping all of you out. Uh, and you know, so is Snowden, you know, is he a white hat, black hat, red hat? You know, I don't know. I don't know the guy, but, you know, it was sure an interesting story. And, of course, he got a made, he got a, t- a movie made. You know, that's the always thing about Mockingbird, when they really want you to know who somebody is. Hollywood makes a movie about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not by accident, Frederick. Yes, yes. And, well, uh, would you say, that. would you say, Frederick, uh, that Snowden was a psyop? Either intentionally or unintentionally. That's the thing about, you know, psyops is you'll have something synthetic. You know, it's like from day one, okay, in six months we're going to create Edward Snowden and blah, 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 blah. But then you have the organic hijacking of something just happened. They're trying to get a handle on it. They get a handle on it and it's like, okay, we're taking charge of this now. And, you know, what is the old saying from Rahm Emanuel, never let a crisis go to waste? You know, anything that's happening, you know, this is how these people operate. Any trend, any movement, if it's not theirs, they either have to take control of it or destroy it. You know, and it's a full spectrum warfare, but all of it reduces to that is we have to be in control of every aspect. And if we can't hijack it and use it to our use, then we have to destroy it. You know, and that's just the way they operate. And you know this. Well, I think, uh, Frederick, that uh, if it uh, had been real, if Snowden's all of his information would have not been part of a psyop that it would have never gotten out because we have to know you and i both know that they own the media and i don't care which media you're talking about they're not going to drop something like snowden dropped without permission to do so your thought and you know if a uh say uh glenn greenwald had been you know some young maverick journalist you know doing his jimmy olsen wannabe story and release the blockbuster expose all story. You know, now, if it was organic, the rest of the media would immediately come in and slam that down. It would be retracted, just yep. like the Cameron, uh, uh, Carl Cameron piece on 9/11. Remember that Fox News did that four-part series on you know Israeli spying on U.S. Talk. Well, hold on, buddy. We got we got oh. music. We'll we'll okay. come back on the other side. Thanks, Frederick. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. 
Hello, hello, hello from beautiful Colorado. My name is Samuel Jung Kay, and I am currently the lead Shilajee hunter and master herbalist for Colorado Shilajee Company. In this video series, I will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by Mother Earth. I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shilajee as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shilaji by other names. Shilajit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. Shilaji literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shilaji has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Hey there, are you going to wait till the cows come home to get your new Ease-Off Drop and Lift? What in the world is an Ease-Off Drop and Lift? Our Ease-Off is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control. That sounds great, but can I afford it? Sure, and the Ease-Off installs fast. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue, speed up your line, and increase profits. Okay, I'm convinced. Where can I get my Ease-Off? Go to easeoff.com. That's E-A-Z-E-O-F-F dot com. And hurry because we're offering free shipping for a limited time. Easeoff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. Easeoff, LLC, 417-932-6419. Extend your life with Extendovite. Everyone around me seems to get sick but me. My brother got the flu twice, my mother was down with some sort of fever, people at work were taking sick days off, and others were just plain tired and run down. And me? Well, I just keep feeling great all the time with Extendivite. My grandfather used to talk about the power of garlic and other herbs he took that kept him healthy. I'm lucky. Extendivite was just what I needed to keep me healthy, and Extendivite is all natural. Extendivite was designed for the heart but does so much more by keeping me healthy all the time. I'll take Extendivite forever. Get your two-month supply for only $69.95 plus shipping and handling. My name is Rick, and you can be like me. Just by calling 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. To change the world. Started with one step However small Well, folks, here we are back with the National Intelligence Report uh, here on the 21st day of July. And, uh, Frederick, I'm sorry that uh, we got interrupted there. I would like for you to complete that thought, please, sir. And then we'll jump to our friend James in Vancouver. Well, you know, just talking about, you know, that if you had a real organic maverick putting a story out you know they just shut it down the way fox news did the carl cameron 
four-part series on Israeli spying that December after 9-11, and they immediately pulled that down, and you know, it's like, that doesn't exist anymore. So why did everybody run with Snowden? And I compare, you know, my story of I couldn't get any traction, and then the limited traction that people like Bill Benny and Thomas Drake, who were also NSA whistleblowers, talking about you know, the Stellar Wind program and the Trailblazer yep. programs and things like that, you know, how much traction they got in Mockingbird. And then here's Snowden, and it's just uh, suddenly, you know, he's like Taylor Swift, right? So right. I find it very curious. Oh, very much so. And, uh, well, let's welcome our friend uh, James from Vancouver. And, James, how are you today, sir? Yeah, um, Good afternoon, all you chicken swingers out there. Um, <laughs> it's funny. You mentioned Snowden, and uh, uh, I want to check something. He flew to Hong Kong, am I right? That was where he, he ran to, is that, is that right? Yeah, I thought the path was from, you know, he was actually from North Carolina, you know, went up to yeah. Maryland, and then was it Brazil, and then to Hong Kong, then Russia? Was that the chain of events? Yeah, I'm not sure. Because if he, yeah, because if he flew into Hong Kong, um, the uh, and well, he would have to go in on an anonymous passport, anonymous identity, because uh, the United States government is very well organized in Hong Kong, even after the handover. They oh, would yes. know in a New York minute. Sorry. Yes. Great uh, observation, I mean, James. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody can get into Hong Kong, but what everybody knows, what's going on. So when I heard this Snowden incident and saw a bit of it on TV when I was in Taiwan, I said, no, nah, it's uh, it's fake. I mean, you said PSYOP, right? Yes. Um, because um, I used to hang out with some of those British uh, out- outfit and... We had a club there, and the FBI used to come in there all the time, and their guns would be bulging in their suits, and they'd be say, yeah, we're in here doing something, you know, and, wow, well, we let them wear their guns. It didn't matter to us. <laughs> so I was going to ask, uh, who benefited by George Washington's death that you would know of? Well, I'm not sure that it was intentional at the time. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it, it appears that way. But if you read, you know, I, you know, he was the leader. Uh, well, yeah. he was he was the figurehead. Hamilton was running the government. But, uh, yeah. you know, by this time, the only thing I can think of is that Hamilton had asked Washington to come back and run for president again in 1800 because right. Hamilton Hamilton did not like Adams they had had a big falling out and Hamilton hated Jefferson and he yep. had asked uh, Washington to come back and to run for president in 1800 I've got it in a letter and ironically yep. the thing that always kind of befuddled me about this was one of the first things that Washington did was he wrote a letter to Patrick Henry and he asked yeah. Patrick Henry if he would come back in and help. And, of course, Patrick Henry and George Washington both died 1799. Yeah, well, see, uh, I'm sort of getting the impression. And you had Thomas Jefferson and uh, was it Adams? 
uh, that died on the same day, July 4th? Or yes, was it, uh, uh, 1826. Yeah. yeah, you see, uh, I get the feeling there's kind of a murder incorporated <laughs> going on because, uh, uh, you know, they're uh, fighting for, uh, oh, not they're all fighting for, but there's certain conspiracies. Uh, you couldn't have that uh, two two of them dying in the same day. The probability of that's pretty pretty high. Uh, it's, you know, it's a yeah, long it is. shot. And so. I think it's ironic, uh, James and Frederick, is that uh, Jefferson and Adams had a big falling out over the 1800 election, and a lot of people are unaware that Adams didn't even attend Jefferson's inauguration. Yeah. When, when his term was up, he got in a carriage and headed for Boston. Yeah. And so that was, uh, and they did not communicate very well for well after Jefferson's term in office. And then uh, Adams' wife contacts Jefferson when his daughter passed away. And that yeah. seemed to initiate a series of letters, and they were back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and they both died on the same day, as you mentioned yeah. earlier, James. Uh, the thing right. that was ironic—the thing that was ironic about that—was that, was that uh, Jefferson passed away in the morning, and Adams passed away in the afternoon of that day. And of course, we didn't yeah. have CNN, so Adams' last words were. Jefferson lives. Well, see, this is the thing. Uh, you know, you, these agents uh, from the Roman Catholic Church called the Jesuits, one of their M.O.s is poisoning. And um, I just wanted to ask one more question here, and I'll let you guys go. How reliable are the letters of the women involved with these uh, so-called uh, founders of the uh, Republic? Uh, have you looked at their letters? Oh, big time. I, I am a uh, absolute huge fan of Mercy Otis Warren. Okay. And uh, especially her communication, because her family, her husband and herself and Adams and his wife, uh, they had all been very, very close friends prior to, you know, uh, during the revolution and afterward. They had been very close friends. And then after... Uh, after 1800, uh, yep. Mercy Otis Warren goes after John Adams with a passion, yep. telling him all of the things he could have done as president to brought back liberty and freedom, which he did none of them. And those exchanges right. of letters are beautiful. Yeah, well, I was going to say, because sometimes women, uh, they have a habit of turning on their men, and uh, maybe, um, you know, this uh, you could learn a lot from that, but... Um, Okay, I'll let you guys go. Uh, thanks for All taking right, thank my call. All right, thank you, buddy. Thank you, James. Appreciate it. Go ahead, Frederick. I just want to do a quick fact check. Great call, yeah. Uh, two things. Uh, one, uh, if you haven't listened to it, Mr. Robert Ravel's Sunday show, the first hour, he does a series on the Jesuits that is just stellar. And if you haven't listened to it, go out and find that in the archives if you want. And he talks about how coincidental 
it was that Madison and Jefferson both died on July 4th, you know, and the, you know, the way the hidden hand likes to send a message, you know, yes. where you talk about murder incorporated. So definitely that. And then the other thing I want to fact check is Snowden was operating out of the NSA facility in Hawaii and flew from Hawaii to Hong Kong. So he didn't go okay. by way of Brazil. I was mistaken. So I want to correct that. So that's interesting that, okay, he went from an airport in the United States straight into Hong Kong and, you know, didn't nobody drew a flag on that. So uh, I found that interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very much so. Uh, you know, uh, he mentioned uh, the women and Mercy Otis Warren. Uh, she actually wrote uh, as a uh, – anti-federalist she was opposed to the constitution and she wrote a just a killer article opposing the constitution but uh folks uh didn't think it was her they thought it was a woman i mean they thought it was a man i'm sorry uh and so for years uh, i'm trying to think uh, who they thought it was i'm thinking it was uh, uh elbridge jerry that they thought it was but uh, Mercy Otis Warren is absolutely brilliant. I loved her work as an anti-federalist. Uh, Frederick, where do you want to take us, buddy? We've got I was also uh, going to mention uh, Dolly Madison. Uh, she was quite outspoken about the great experiment and where she stood on the political issues. So that'd be another one I would research of yes. you know, what was going on. Today. Yeah, and... Uh, the uh, and and I think we sometimes, you know, I, I I became very upset one time when I saw Chris Ann Hall dressed as Mercy Otis Warren, and she was uh, flaunting not flaunting, but she was uh, honoring Mercy Otis Warren, but she failed to tell anyone that she was an anti-federalist and she uh, didn't like the Constitution. Ah. <laughs> ah, to the point. Yeah, very much so. Well, it looks like we got our old buddy Lark from Texas. Lark, how are you? Howdy, guys. I want to share Greetings, just a Lark quick... in Texas. Happy Friday. Happy, happy Friday to you. Uh, I just want to share a quick antidote. Uh, back around, I think, 2007 or so, I there was a, uh, there was a uh, website that purported to be a uh, journalism site that was funded largely into existence by Al Gore. And uh, anyway, I chanced upon this uh, pretty girl about, I'm going to guess, 26 years old from the Bay Area. And she was uh, the proud recipient of a Ph.D. in international relations. And about this time, I'm looking at the curriculum in these colleges and what they're calling science. And it's, it is astonishing to me. But anyway, she's extolling the virtues of one Benjamin Rush, who, of course, oh was famous for being a signer of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And uh, he warned about uh, health freedom and all these other kind of things. And by then, I'd already learned, well, it was actually much later that they made him the patron saint of the American Psychiatric Association. Remember, the psychiatrists are the ones that uh, write the scripts for the drugs. The psychologists refer their victims to the psychiatrists, and they're the ones that 
screw them up. But be that as it may, going back to this poor girl, I, I made a comment. I wasn't being rude. I was, but I actually mentioned the C word. And uh, uh, I suggested that everything that he was about was in promotion or the furtherance of uh, communitarianism. And she fell silent. I never saw her name attached to an article ever again. Because, you know, they use these uh, these young graduates, they use these journals to make a name for themselves because they've got to publish, you know. And, uh, and uh, yeah, international relations, conflict resolution, there are so many degree programs at the collegiate level today. They're all about communitarianism and again and also promotion of communitarian law and so i just wanted to point that out because uh this benjamin rush guy i did a lot of uh, research into him and uh everything that uh you said has only added to the fire uh michael but uh yeah it's uh it's astonishing what we're seeing today in these universities and in these medical schools and these law schools it's uh, nonstop programming for these young people, and it's really sad to witness. This might well, be, absolutely, might Lark. Uh, appreciate your comments there, Lark. And that uh, all originated, I mean, it started in the North prior to, but uh, the, uh, the takeover of the American education system in this country for sure took over during Reconstruction in uh, 1865 to 1878. By the way, it's the psychiatrists are the only ones that are qualified to uh, declare you to be uh, an anti-Semite or insane, certifiably insane, because, of course, they're the ones behind the uh, Diagnostic and Statistic Manual. So keep that in mind. Yeah. They're going well, to make, huh? they're they're make anti-Semitism a mental illness. Well, but homosexuality is... is no longer a mental illness, as they yes. took it out in 1972, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. That's no. You're the no longer didn't change. A mental illness. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Go ahead, Frederick. Yeah. Thank no, you, Lark. Just, yeah. Great call, Lark. Thanks. Hope you have a great weekend. Yeah. Thank I mean, you. Uh, Appalachian State University. People, <laughs> I know, I go on about what they have done to my daddy's college, uh, but the Mountain Clears. You know, under this you know, Jezebel Everett's chancellorship, you know, it's insane the degrees that are offered over there now from gender studies to Holocaust studies, professional instructor and journalism. And all these kids are coming out of these journalism schools, double majoring in journalism and public relations. And they don't see a problem with that. All of the ones over here at this <laughs> out-of-state Adams Publishing, Skull and Bones, you know, Stephen Adams, son of Cedric Adams, the voice of the Midwest who sold World War II to the Midwest, right? You yep. know, his son <laughs> bought up all these newspapers in this, you know, these mountains here and f fired all of the locals 
imported a bunch of social justice warriors with journalism, gender studies, and public relations degrees, right, to sell communitarianism to the rural North Carolina mountains, right? And that's what they're doing. It's just insane to watch this going down, and everybody's like, are are y'all not seeing this? Are you not seeing this? You don't have a problem with this. Well, Frederick, let's drop back in history a little bit. Let's go back to uh, the uh, Oklahoma City bombing and Uh, look at what happened after that. And there was one station, one television station in Oklahoma City that would not let go of the fact this was a conspiracy. They were reporting on the fact that federal employees, including, uh, you know, the BATF had told not to come to work that day, the FBI, others had been told don't come to work that day. And this station was staying right on top of that while the other major networks in Oklahoma City were had folded into the government program. And when this Channel 4, I think it was, in Oklahoma City would not give up the fight of trying to produce the truth, suddenly a uh, conglomerate out of New York City moved in and bought the radio station, I mean the TV station, and fired everybody and put in their own folks. Right. And fun fact about Oklahoma City, I have a couple of nuggets here. The FBI special agent who was cutting his teeth on that non-investigation was none other than Dale Watson, who you may remember is the guy in charge of the non-investigations of 9-11 and the non-investigations of the anthrax. And after he left the FBI, he took a senior executive position as a vice president at none other than... Booz Allen Hamilton. <laughs> Go figure, right? Yeah, imagine that. Imagine that. It's uh, you know, when you start putting these things together, Frederick, and I gotta ask you a question, buddy. <laughs> uh you know, what in the hell is wrong with us? Why do we want to know the truth about this stuff when three hundred and three hundred million Americans could give a crap? Well, I don't know about you, but I got the curse after 9-11. I, you know, I got the curse. And, you know, when you're on the list, you know, that's, you know, it's just, it changes. 9-11 changes everything, right? It sure changed me. But yeah, and it's like, you know, what is it? You know, we go through life and we see patterns that other people would pretend not to notice, right? They, they don't want to see those patterns. I guess that's what makes us us, right? Well, I, I'm beginning to believe that Benjamin Rush was, in fact, uh, spot on when he said, those of us with this undying quest for liberty have a mental disease because I absolutely love doing this program on RBN. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and especially when I have uh, guests like you, uh, Frederick, and we're able to really delve into this stuff. But just to show you, uh, that to to point out my insanity, and uh, once I get off, once we get off here at the top of the hour, I've got an hour and a half break, and then I've got a two-hour telephonic class I do with the folks in Colorado and out west. So, uh, you know, what kind of dummy spends his Friday night? Searching <laughs> for the truth, Frederick. I know, right? It's like we just. 
keep trying to find that one more magic dot connect everything together but i know i thoroughly enjoy coming on your shows and talking smack about pnac and things like that <laughs> and you know I, I like our good friend mr douglas steve or stephen douglas whitener uh, you know his idea of thought criminals you know that we're all just a bunch yeah. of thought criminals with our hate facts you know uh but, yeah, somebody's got to do it, I guess. <laughs> well, uh, Frederick, uh, I'm going to bring back our uh, other uh, co-host in a couple of weeks, uh, Matthew Jacobs. And we did that work on uh, uh, the lies about Germany. And uh, we're, we, he and I have been discussing something. Was Germany from 1933 to 1940, was that one of the best illustrations of a good government in American history. That is a fascinating thing because once you can get through all the juice splaining of World War II and actually look at the original source documents and the reality, you know, it's amazing how much they modeled what they were doing with the economic miracle of Germany on what the original colonists in the United States were doing. And that they yes. knew that the key was to get the independent currency and to pay off our debt. You know, it's interesting that uh, Jefferson's talking about paying off the debt in 10 years, you know. And you know, that's what you know, Germany did. They got out of debt. They got out of that system. And that was the big crime that they committed and had to be destroyed by this other system, you know, competing economic system about debt slavery. The uh, the German the National Socialist model was a you know, debt free system, and it was just fascinating to watch it. And I, I spend a lot of time with people who work on alternative currency systems. And so when you go and look at you know what the reality of the German model was, you know it's brilliant, and you can see why it was such a threat to the chicken swingers that you know want us all you know, plugged into the matrix, you know, and they'd make all our decisions for us because we're too stupid to do it, right? Well, as George Washington wrote to, uh, uh, you know, uh, the John Jay, he said, you know, we are the better kind of people and the other folks just don't know how to do this for themselves. Yeah, and that's the model. And yeah, there's you know, if you've ever been in a leadership position, you know that not everybody's a leader. And, you know, you look at, you know, let leadership material and that, you know, the one of 20 rule of leadership that you put 20 people in the room, one of them is going to emerge as the leader of the group. That's just how it works, right? Mm -hmm. And that, you know, this, you know, cabal has managed to go out and find the natural leaders early on. And if they can be corrupted, groom them and put them in the positions of power. And if they can't be corrupted, destroy them and make sure that they never hold any positions of power. And you know, that is the reality of the system we're under. Spot on, buddy. Spot on. I would like to ask uh, the folks who are listening, if you would, please to go to my substack, michaelgaddy.substack.com, and check out. I am delving deep into the financial issues of the founding of this country, and I think you're going to find a whole lot of similarities with what we're dealing with now. Exactly. Yeah, that's what we have to look at, and you go back to the uh, the colonial script, and 
uh, you know, that when they, you know, the banks discovered that, you know, that's when the currency act got passed in the UK. I mean, like, got to shut it down, got to shut yep. it down. They're going to be too prosperous. You know, if you yep. let them goyim have their own money, you know, who knows what will happen? They'll rise up against us again, and we got to have never again. So we got to crush them and bring them to their knees before our great banking system, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting having yeah, John Hagee out there this week with the you know, Christians United for Israel doing their who wants to run for the White House? You got to come to well. Christians United for Israel and pray with John Hagee. Then you got to go to the put on your meanie beanie and go to the Roman wall and hump it a couple of times, you know. Now, don't forget to go to Vegas and talk to the uh, Jews that run Vegas. Yeah, you know, those heirs of uh, Sheldon Adelson, you know, the yep. heir to mm-hmm. Raw. Yeah, yeah, nobody remembers that. Yeah, you know, he was sort of the heir to Murder Incorporated. You know, he was yep. groomed by, you know, uh, Meyer Lansky to, to take over the operation. And yeah, but he's a philanthropist now, not a gangster. It's like oh, yeah. all the Stern and Ergen. Yeah, you know, they're not gangsters anymore. They're the Mossad and the IDF. <laughs> <laughs> Frederick, I can't thank you enough, buddy. I really Always appreciate a pleasure, it. We have, sir. we have a fantastic time, and I really enjoyed. I hope the people enjoyed it as well, and I hope that you'll come on with uh, Mr. Jacobs and I when we do that uh, program on uh, the German oh, government. Please let me know. I thoroughly enjoyed the uh, series we did on World War II lies <laughs> and deceptions. That was great. Right, I buddy. really like his work. All right, folks, and uh, please support RBN. Stand behind the battle. We've got to have you. We need all the warriors we can get. Good night, everyone, and good night, my friend, Blackbird9. Good night, good sir. You have a great weekend. Thanks again for having me on. Hey, thanks, producer. You did a fantastic job, buddy. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. Support those that support the network. Support Dixie Republic at DixieRepublic.com. Email ProudSouthern123 at gmail.com and let them know that RBN sent you. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.